Good morning. I'm Trevor Shepard, and I currently serve on the Board of Elders. Uh, this morning's reading is from Exodus chapter 40, 34 through 38. The glory of the Lord. Then the cloud covered the tent meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the Israelites during their travels. Today I want to talk about one big idea. And we could say the big idea is progress. Everything we know uh, that's alive ought to make progress. And progress is visible in certain shifts. Like this time of year, we're hoping that, and, and this rain is going to do a lot of good, that our crops, thank you, Brother Jim, our crops are going to make big progress. And see if you, if you know what some of the shifts would be. If, if the corn makes good progress by what is supposed to be by July 4th, knee high by the 4th of July. There's a shift. There should be some progress. It's no longer this kernel in the ground. It's beginning to sprout. And then later on, there's another shift when it tassels and so forth and so on. There are shifts that happen. And the same thing that is true when a person is spiritually alive. When their relationship with God is very alive, very real, there ought to be some phases of progress. And throughout the story of the Bible, we see in a big picture that those shifts that happen in the life of a believer. And in the book of Exodus, we see a major shift, a major shift in, in spiritual progress. The scripture we heard was about the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord is the presence of God where God lives. But there was a major shift here. For the first part of the book of Exodus, the glory of the Lord resided in a person. If you want to, you can look at Exodus chapter 34. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. And then it goes on to say, and Moses finished speaking, and they had him put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence, he uncovered it. But it was so bright. It was so, so much glory that they put, put a veil over it. Now at the end of Exodus, that glory shifts from the person to a place. And that shift really helps us answer this question of where does God live? Where does God live? Where is he? This progress that I'm talking about really has a, a beginning even before the book of Exodus because Abraham didn't have a place and so forth. And, and the, the idea of where does God live was answered, well, the glory is in the heavens. The heavens declare the glory of God. The glory is in creation. And Abraham heard from above. And the glory of the Lord, that which is our everyone's starting point, 
is that God's glory is somewhere else, but not right here. Somewhere up above. Yes, God's glory is above, but not right here. And everyone has that. That's every human being says, if there's a God, and that's most people do believe, his glory, his place of living is somewhere else, not here. It's out there. In fact, I even hear people say, when you start talking about spiritual things, well, that's kind of out there. You know, well, that's exactly right. That's what they're thinking. Yeah, God is out there, not here, not in my life, not in the, the things that I do. He's out there. And so it was for Israel all those years. God was out there. And maybe for you today, this whole idea of God, you believe in it, and it's out there. You can see the glory of God. You can see that, you know, the created order and so forth. But God is not with you. He's not in you. He's not here. He's out there. There was a shift then from the glory of God out there to Moses. With Moses, the glory of God is with some person. And the book of Exodus develops this person of Moses, all of the story to show that God's glory is now revealed in him. Where is God? In him. And the, and the shift from looking away and above is now to somebody who you know. It brings it home. You've encountered somebody that convinced you that God is real, and you say the glory of God is with that person. The glory of God is in that person, so i got to stay close to that person. Might be a religious figure, uh, uh, like someone who's, who does religious work. It might be someone that you know real well. It might be someone you see on TV that you're convinced the glory of God is in that person, and you cling to that person. That person reminds you, yes, God is near. And that person, and, that's their, and, and that person becomes for you evidence of where does God live. As long as that person is, is there, then I know God is with me. Many people come to Christ because of a person whose witness was so real, whose words were so, such a, a, an attractive witness, an attraction, that it convinces you. God is here, and I need to know that God. But what I observe is that if we stay in that phase, we encounter a problem because people, like Moses, always disappoint. At some point, they are disappointing. People disappoint you. They don't live up to what you thought they were because we elevate them first to this place of glory. You know, we have this idea they're perfect, and then they disappoint us. If you look at 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, it tells us there that Moses put on a veil because the glory was fading. He was covering up that, you know, I'm not the, quite the person they think I am. So he had this veil long after the glory faded because he didn't want the people to know, hey, the glory has faded. He wanted to keep that persona. You see, the glory of God in a person is real, and there will always be people who are anointed by God whose word conveys to us the word of God, but a shift must happen that we see in the book of Exodus. The shift is moving that from seeing the glory of God in a person 
to now the glory of God in the tabernacle that belongs to the whole community. And that's the second one, the tabernacle. The glory of God is in the tabernacle or later became the temple. The shift away from a person to the community held faith. Now, we believe not because that person is so perfect or that person is, is so wonderful, but because this is who we are a part of. This is the faith held by a community, the church in this case, a community of people, the Israelites in that case, and this is our faith, and we express it when we're in this place. So the shift is from him to there. First, out there, to him, Moses, now from Moses to that place. There is where God's glory is. And God's glory is experienced in worship when the community comes together. Ah, that's where God lives. That's where God lives. And, and it, is, it is a wonderful thing. And that's the temple worship. Now the problem with this idea of God's living there in that place, in that thing, is that we constantly have to come back to that place in order to find God. I mean, this church is always open for prayer, but it is not as though you can only pray well when you're here. And it's, it's not as though that is the limit of our faith. We talk about these four walls and we quickly realize, as they did in the Old Testament, you cannot contain God in these four walls, even if it were twice as big. God is so much greater. And there needs to be another shift that happens. If we don't make another shift, then what we find is that we constantly are drawn to a place or to a kind of experience that happens in a place. Maybe a kind of worship or kind of retreat. We experience God there and we constantly go back there. I need more of that. So we go back to that same experience, that same place. Might be a retreat. It might be a, a worship experience. Whatever it is, the glory of God there. So there's a shift from out there, I know God exists, but he's not in my world, to him or her God is here because of that person. To there, to that place, it's a community health thing. But there's another shift that happens in the Bible. And it's the gospel. And that is this. Jesus. Jesus Christ is the glory of God. And something happens because God's glory is in Jesus living in you. The shift is from there to the Spirit's transforming work in me. I want to show you some scriptures on that. First of all, if you turn to John, the 14th chapter. John, the 14th chapter. Here's where Jesus talks about this. This is what he wants. John, the 14th chapter, verse 16. And I will, verse 15. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither knows him, sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Now the glory of God was the Spirit of God becoming manifest. 
And at first, the Spirit of God is in creation. We see that. Then the Spirit of God is with that person. Then the Spirit of God is in that place. And now what Jesus is saying, the Spirit of God, the glory of God, the life of God is in you. Because I live, uh, before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. Jesus intends for the residence where God lives not to be in him or her, not to be there in that place where the community gathers, but to be in you. Now that doesn't mean there aren't anointed people. There are people who are anointed to speak or an occasion where a person is anointed to speak for God and God speaks that way. There's always that when the community of God's people are in worship, God inhabits, he lives in the praises of his people and he speaks to us in that setting. But the locus, the focus of God's life is in the Spirit's work in you. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 then makes this very, very shocking statement. This may not be something you have considered. You've, you've heard about the tabernacle and the even more magnificent temple. But now consider 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. And it says, don't you know that you, you yourself, are God's temple and that God's spirit lives within you? You. Not him, not there, but you. That's where the Holy Spirit is at work. That's where the Holy Spirit is at work. So much so that God takes a big risk and he says, you know, even if you don't have a preacher with you, him, even if you don't have the church around you there, I am with you and in any situation you are being taught by the Spirit. In 1 John chapter 3, it says verse 20, And I'm not so convinced that's what I wanted, but that's not bad. <laughs> I really want chapter 2, verse 20. So you're not too far off, but I gave him the wrong scripture. But you yourself have the anointing from the Holy One, and you all know the truth. So it's not just, i, I got to find out what's true. I've got that person... Or I've got to go there. All that is still important. But the Holy Spirit is constantly talking to you as you're living. Now what does that mean? That means I need to pay attention to what the Spirit is doing in me. Not looking at the community. Because if I look at the community held faith. I can say you know there's some hypocrites there. There's some people that I'm not so convinced are real. You're always going to find that. That's not the focus, though. The focus is, what is the Holy Spirit trying to change in me? Not him. Yeah, I can always improve him or her. Not them. I can always find faults in them. What is the Holy Spirit doing in me? Because the glory of God, the place where God lives, is no longer out there. Not him. Not there. But here. In you and I. Now the focus is, what is God changing in me? Not what should that person change like, not what they should be like. What is changing? What needs to happen in me? That shift needs to happen. 
when we experience that last shift, then real transformation happens. Not just a better church, but a different person. We pay attention to the changes God is making in us. That's what happens. I dare say that that last shift, which is the gospel itself, is where many of us stop short. We really want to revert back to an Old Testament faith, a te faith where, yep, God is there. Or we really like God is in Him. In a sense, that shifts the responsibility away from what is God doing in me. Today, we have to ask a sober question. Where do you look to find God? Where do you look to find God? Have you made that last shift? Have you begun asking, what is God doing in me? Because that is the beginning of the real gospel, the beginning of the real good news. That's where change is happening. But when we stop short and we say, well, I found this great experience, this great retreat, this great place, this great church there, then we miss what the Holy Spirit is really trying to do. If we stop short of finding a person, say, I finally found a person that I really believe that person is anointed, that person is telling the truth, that person, if we stop there, we will miss what the Holy Spirit is really trying to do. You know where the changes are needed? Not in the White House. Well, there, there are changes that need to be happening there too. Not in the Capitol House. Not in the church house. Right here. That's the point. And throughout the Bible, we have these shifts. Where does God live? Out there. The heavens declare the glory of God. Needs to shift and be moved to there, that person. He's an anointed leader. He's a Moses kind. To there, where the community gathers, the tabernacle. And finally, in Jesus, he comes to live in you, in me. Has that shift happened? What kind of faith are you experiencing? Let that shift happen today. And these altars are a place where that kind of shift can happen. Would you stand with me as we pray about it? Father, we have stopped short too often. We can easily get a a faith that is centered around the church instead of focusing on what you're doing within us. Forgive us. It's real easy to look at a person who's destined to disappoint us. Forgive us. And now, Father, we renew our focus on what are you trying to change in me? Because that's where my need is. That's where our needs are. And we come to you, Father, because we do need you. And we pray in Jesus' name.